This is a Mr. Thrive Media production. I'm Joel Volk, and welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper and expose strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges, blemishes and all. I'm super excited to bring you Michael Weintraub of AfterRetail.com. Michael's journey from a local retail specialty store over 20 years ago to a web-based gem where they sell designer fashions at up to 87% off. AfterRetail.com is the amazing result of its resilient, creative, tenacious owner, Michael. As you listen to the Small BizCast, you'll find comfort in knowing that you are not alone. Hopefully you'll learn something while finding inspiration and ideas from the people that I introduce you to, like Michael. Hopefully you'll laugh a little too. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. I mean, I, when I think that I used to sell evening wear, right? And now, and and I love evening wear. It sounds crazy, but I love women's evening wear. I do. When I watch, do you like the way you look at them, or do you like the way? Well, you know, that's that's a big issue between me and my wife. <laughs> you know, I, I've I've always loved women. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds crazy. From, from high school, I've, right? I've loved women, and you know, I wasn't the guy hanging out with all the other guys. I was the guy hanging out with the women, right? And right, right. And it's it's gone through my whole life. Is that how you got into this business, or did you start with a, a some other way? Yeah. Well, I'm third gen. My I recently lost my father, and I'm third generation merchant, mm-hmm. if you can believe that. So I I can because I know it's in my DNA. Right. I actually know it's in my DNA. Mm-hmm. I denied it, mm-hmm. and I did what all first generation Americans do for their for their parents, which is to go to, you know, dental school, medical school, architectural school, engineering school, or law school. Uh-huh. And I chose law school. <laughs> and uh, and I got a degree. I mm-hmm. actually got two degrees. I am pretty educated for a dress guy. Right. And I wasn't happy. I practiced law for a few years. I wasn't happy. I just wasn't happy. And it was a real, it was real turmoil inside of me because I knew that my parents were so proud of me and they right. had paid all this money for this education the bottom line was I wasn't happy. And, yeah. and what was I happiest doing? I was happiest doing what I had done all my life, which was work next to my father in the store, right. in a clothing store downtown L.A. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Right. I didn't care if I was sweeping the floors or folding yeah. boxes. In those days, you had to fold boxes or picking up merchandise or mm-hmm. whatever it was, just to be around that environment and be with my father. And it was great. And I, It was real life, wasn't it? It was. Some of my best memories and most fond memories of, of growing up are with my father downtown in the yeah. store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you brought a little tear to my eye because I remember being with my – my dad was a typewriter mechanic and he had a typewriter repair shop and he would take me to the places downtown and they had a certain smell to them. And I could still – every once in a while I'll smell something similar and it just brings me right back to there where I'm looking up at my dad as he's you know picking up parts for typewriters. Those are such – I can see in your face. These are really deep, deeply embedded, connected memories. Mm-hmm. And I think if I had been more self-aware – I would have been able to convince my my father and my mother to let me just go into the business right. with them, but it wasn't meant to be, and this is the path I'm on. But but getting back to women, which is where it always comes back to, I've always loved dating women, talking to women, being around women. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed to have two daughters and a wonderfully, perfectly beautiful and understanding wife. I hope she hears this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I feel like it's almost unfair because I've worked with women since I opened up my, my store on my own, dressed up. I opened it up just about 30 years ago. 
don't do the calculation. No. That's, and, so you were very young. Yeah. Very, oh, very, very, very young. And I, 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 I feel like I've understood women from a very early age. So I, I know their frailties. I know there's, you know, the, the, the things that really bother them. And they're all about self-perception and, as you might imagine, weight and all the things that women are concerned with, more so than men. So I was going to ask that question because I understand my world really well where I sell tools to make businesses operate better. So if you ask me what my product is, it's efficiency, it's peace of mind, and so on. And I was going to ask you, in the world of retail women's clothing, I know the clothing is the widget, but what's the product? Very, very good question. But but I, I want to reframe it for a moment because it depends on what you're really looking at. With evening wear, which was the first 20 years of my retailing life alone, I had a store called Dressed Up. In the, it was event-driven. It was bar and bat mitzvahs. It was prom. It was engagement parties. It was weddings, mother of the bride, grandmother of the bride, guest of the wedding. And that was all about a dress that was connected to an event. And the event was the emotional trigger. Right. Right. So believe it or not, a prom girl is no different than a bride or a mother of the bride. They're just at different stages of their lives. And what are they interested in doing? There's only one thing that's important. Being beautiful. That's exactly right. My job was to help women look beautiful. And make them feel beautiful. Connected. Right. Because not everybody is beautiful on the outside until they feel beautiful on the inside. Correct. And I know that because sometimes I look in the mirror and I go, who's that old guy looking out? I don't myself... (laughs) Image is much different looking than my actual image. Can you imagine if you were a woman, all the other pressures, societal right. pressures to be young and have you know young-looking skin and a young-looking physique as you age? I mean, it's natural to age and look different, right? As we know. But I think men are more accepting of what happens as we get older. Women, they never lose that that gene, that DNA, that that perception that how they look really will impact how they feel and Mm. what they do in life and how they'll be perceived. So I was really part or mostly psychologist. Right. Just try, And I was always honest. I I, I always wanted to be honest. I I never wanted to tell a woman she looked good in something unless she really did because I knew the moment someone close to her says, you know, why'd you buy that? Right. It would tear her down in a way that it would be really horrific. But no accounting for taste because someone just may have poor taste or by your standards, poor taste. And so therefore... They feel beautiful in something that you shudder at. The, 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 interaction I, the interaction I would have with my customers at, with Dressed Up, with evening wear. Again, this is very specific to evening wear because the rules don't apply this way to day wear. It's just different. It's more of a commodity. It's more of a purchase. Okay. And that's the, that's the world that I live in now. But when I did sell evening wear, it was, I, would, I would feel how the customer was reacting I wasn't the only one. I had six saleswomen, but I would always interact. I'd always be on the floor. I'd never be in my office. But I would listen, and I would try to pick up on the vibe that that the woman was giving off. Did she feel good in that? Mm -hmm. And I would never say, even if I believed it, I would never tell her she looked good if the vibe that I was sensing was that she didn't feel good in it. Right. Because that's like cognitive dissonance. Why would you give that message? Right. I would just lay back and listen and maybe make a comment. Maybe that's not the right color. But once I felt that she was really going down a path where she felt good about herself, Bingo. Right. I would just tell the truth. I'd say, that is perfect on you. There's Mm -hmm. probably no better dress in the world. Right. So how do you do that? So the reason I was really interested in speaking with you is because I know that's the route where you came from. But I know also you're 100% online now, correct? How do you make people feel beautiful from online? And frankly, 
I went onto your website and your models there are gorgeous. And so don't people compare themselves to the models they see? I mean, isn't it better to have a schlubby woman on there so they go, I look better than she does? Well, there's, let, or let me, is it the yeah, image that yeah. I could look like that? If it's I it's a great question, Joel, but I'll tell you, there's, there's one part of this um, equation I didn't share with you, which is the, the wishing well. And it, and it traverses over categories of merchandise. So you really are a psychologist. I yeah. And, and I and I'm not as good with men. I'm very very good with women. Though. Right. I don't know what that is. That connection is empathy. Just, maybe. So this wishing well concept. Let me just explain this because this is really critical. A woman sees what she wants to see. Mm. It's true with us too, with men right. too. But with women, they see something in the mirror. And when they look at advertisements or when they look on a website and they look at a garment, it's something that they don't see when they go to a physical location and look at a garment themselves. But when they see a model in it, they can they can aspire to be that, that woman. That's why when you sell merchandise, you want to make sure you have a woman that's very pretty when she models it. Not too pretty. Right. Not perfect. Right. Not too young. But just somebody that that customer, that demographic that you're trying to talk to can can see herself as. Now, she's not that woman. You know right. that. We all know that. Right. She even knows that. Right. If she's really been in that in, in her mind in that critical, self-aware way. But you you just slip into it. Right. And that's that's how people... That's are. fascinating. When we were talking beforehand, you were saying that your audience is 40 to 60-year-olds. Is that what I heard? Pretty much. But the models are probably 30 to 40-year-olds. Exactly right. Right. So, so people envision themselves in their 30s and 40s. It's, when they're dressed in the clothes that you put on, it, it's again. And that's all deliberate. I it is assume. all deliberate. Yeah, yeah. I would. That's fascinating. Yeah, because yeah. I gotta tell you, nobody cares what they look like in front of a copier. I have to, <laughs> I have to tell you. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, you know, Joel, I gotta tell you the part that really is fascinating is that from moving forward from dressed up and moving toward after retail, I'm actually moving in my chair to show you that transition. Right. That's right. Being online, I've lost contact, like you suggest. I've lost the physical contact, the intimacy of a, of a person in front of me, right. a, a customer, a woman in front of me. And what I've gained is a relationship over the Internet, which is not nearly the same. Mm-hmm. But I do tend to communicate as much as I can with my customers, either by Facebook message or by email. Interesting. I even put in my email correspondence that people have my cell phone. Really? Yeah. Now, you How be, often you, do they use that? It's exactly what I want you to ask me. What would you think? Never. It is true, never. But the, well, they, the availability of that has an amazing appeal to it. Well, it's uh, I, I didn't I wasn't completely uh, thorough when I answered you. They don't call me, but what they do do? Oh, they text. They do text. There's some measure. I guess calling's too intimate, maybe, because mm-hmm. uh, they don't know me. Right. But they can text me. I get texts usually every couple of days, and I'll respond as quickly as I can. Sometimes I'll say, "May I call you?" And you, do they do they put pictures of themselves and send you their pictures? <laughs> I'm just curious how far this goes. No. But, I, but but they're really saying, I love what you sold me. Can I have another one? It could be anything. It could right. be, you know, is it is it possible you could get me another size or is right. there another color available? Or I, have oh. to make, I just got one the other day for a return, and I, I directed her back to the website, and I said, you know, contact me anytime. Right. And how far do your customers span? Is it the entire country? Is it beyond the border? Uh, it's going to scare you. You know, there there are no barriers. Right. Uh, most of our business, I would say about 70% of it is the United States. Mm-hmm. And the designers we sell, we sell two designers, one's from Canada and one's from Los Angeles, actually. The, the Canadian designer has a very big international business. So we have a lot of business in the UK. We have business uh, in Australia, quite a bit. It's 
Unbelievable. And they pay the shipping. Yeah. Well, we... we, we, your, we your discounts are huge. So right. The, and we subsidize it. I see. Uh, the shipping, so we make it attractive. Right. Uh, but I could see if... I don't know. I could see a future where we're doing more and more over there. And w- do you want to mention the name of your, your uh, sure. designers? Yeah, we sell two designers. The Canadian, the Montreal-based one is Joseph Ribkoff. And the Los Angeles-based one is Johnny Was. And I just sell two designers. Right. So I came from a world where an evening where we would carry between 50 to 100 designers. Wow. That's a lot of relationships. It's a lot of relationships. And, and now I carry two designers. Interesting. And you've got a bigger business than you did 30 years ago. I do. Or through the path. Can we talk about the transition? How did you go from an event-based transactional sale? I know you had relationships with your clients because you would do multi-generations. You probably put right. people in wedding dresses that you did bought mitzvah dresses for. Exactly. And so on. I get that. But it's still, if there's no event, there's no sale to... Day, day wear, you called it? I call it day wear. Day wear, there's, there's where it's, I want to go to work and I want to have a nice wardrobe and there's I like this designer and I like the way it hangs on me. And I and so you get, you know, you might someone might buy five or six outfits at a time from you, correct? Is correct. That, is that, does that happen often? It does. So how do, how do you transition from this very personal, consultative type relationship down to... I, don't, I never see my I never see my clients, and they buy a lot more from me. So the the easiest way to understand this is the reality of the marketplace. It's a fancy way of saying the marketplace changed. You had to adapt. Had to adapt. How did you ad- more extreme? <laughs> I was up against the wall. Right. I would I would have oh, really? I would have gone out of business. I I had pretty much the biggest evening wear business in the valley, and maybe even beyond. Mm-hmm. And I was a very big advertiser. I was in the back of the cheese. I was in within the cheesecake factory menus. I did radio. I remember. Yeah, I did radio. There was I was like a drunken sailor. There was no advertising because we were. I should say that we were hidden away in this obscure right. industrial area. So I had to bring people to us. So I've always been an, a student of advertising. I've always loved business, and I was keen on your business way before I ever met you because I loved your ads. I loved the cleverness of your ads, and I loved that they were ubiquitous. They really were everywhere. And, and it was always amazing to me that rather than have a primary location where people could go to you, you marketed your way to success and left the location as the probably the last part of your equation. And the reason I say that is because I always heard that the cheapest thing in advertising is location. Sorry, the cheapest thing in retail is location. Is location. Right. It's, I, I had it in my mind I had heard about this place called the Alley in the Valley 30 years ago, and I heard there was a real big business there, and they were successful there, and I sat and I drove my car out there. This is when I was with my father downtown, I, I, and I wanted to make my own name. So I'd drive out to Tarzana, and I'd sit in the parking lot, and I'd grumble as I saw women walking out of the stores with bags. So I got on the list with the landlord, and I bothered him and bothered him and bothered him, and finally he relented. He said, would you stop calling me? I'll give you a unit when it comes up. And I got the next unit when it came up, and that's how it started. How big was that? Uh, I started in 650 square feet. 650 square feet. That's amazing. And and what I what I justified in my mind, and I don't know if this is good retail or not, was I didn't care how much rent I paid because I could. That was a fixed expense. But advertising, I had convinced myself as I year after year I was there, if I advertised, I could bring people, and it was variable. It was a variable expense. I convinced myself that. Right. When in actuality. It, it, after many years of advertising, it wasn't variable. I needed to. Right. It really became a fixed expense, which I had convinced myself was a variable expense, but it got quite expensive. And then in 2008, 
there were a couple trends that were going on. One was women got, for reasons that I can't quite explain, Los Angeles became less dressy and more casual. It was always a less dressy kind of place, but people always got dressed up for the event shows, you know, for the award shows, sure. for charity balls, certainly for a wedding or a bar about mitzvah. You know, there would be guests dressed up. There was, there were a plethora of events I could make a living off of, right? So when I was watching the Academy Awards and they were saying, who are you wearing? Did anybody ever say, I'm wearing dressed up? No, no, no. Are you? But we did. We did sell. Many of the, you know who we sold were the, the industry people, uh, the wives, mm-hmm. the sound engineer's wife or the, the film editor's wife. Because they they liked value, you know? sure. They just didn't have the budgets that, and they and they had to buy their gowns, right? So, but as women became less dressy, and two thousand eight, the Great Recession hit. It's yeah. all my experience, all my advertising, all everything I had built up became very. Uh, what's the right word? Shaky. Gotcha. What's the what? I, it, it, there was nothing predictable about my business, right? And I I, I, I became That's scary. I had kids in college, and, and I thought, oh, this is not going to... And the internet was taking shape, Exactly. Right? That was the other thing that started. The internet started to take over. So you had to teach yourself a whole new profession. I did. I started on eBay, and I just I hired one woman who's still with me, God bless her, and I've got a staff of... Now it's different. I have a staff of six, seven mm-hmm. that are... They're all brighter than I am. I pretend that I'm brighter than they are. I hope they're not listening. But they're all very bright. Mm-hmm. Um and, and we put together a business that started on eBay, and we've morphed into afterretail.com. But I learned my business on eBay. Were you, at first, were you trying to sell evening gowns on eBay? I did. And then you realized that was... Such a losing proposition, I can't People will tell spend you. a lot of money on the right evening gown, but they got to try it on. They can't buy it online. And guess what? It's event-driven. Right. Right. And you have to offer returns. I mean, everything works against it. That's why there's no successful evening wear retailer on, on eBay or, or nobody at discount, certainly. And I don't even know anybody who's successful. That's interesting. On. And what do they do at Nordstrom and at Neiman's? They don't know if they're an 8 or a 10. So when they buy their evening wear on a Nordstrom or a Neiman's website, they buy, well, the 6, 8, and the 10. Or the 8 and the 10 in the blue and the 8 and the 10 in the black. Can, can, I right. Mean, we kill a business like yours. Or I'd mine. be out. Right. right? I'd be out. All the handling of that, and you can't. There's no way packaging. To, right. You just can't so I re envisioned mm-hmm. uh, my business really about 10 years ago as I started to see things change. And I've kissed Evening Wear goodbye many right. years ago. It, and it pains me, but it's a reality, and yeah. that's what it is. So do you think you could translate your clothing business online to any other industry? I've never thought of that. In other words, are you in the internet marketing business or are you in the evening wear business? That's a very, very good question. I'd have to think about that. I don't know what I, I – how I feel is one thing, but what I'm actually doing may be something else. I feel that I am still connected to my customers and I feel like I'm selling clothing. But I bet I'm more of a Tesla than I am a Ford. That perhaps my bones now, the structure of my business may be more technology-driven – internet driven than it is actually the product that said you travel to see your designers i do your relationship with your designers is very important it's still the same thing as it was with evening wear Mm -hmm. in the sense that i make a connection with somebody i i just i i just love people right and it shows it comes across for sure and i think that's my my secret sauce and it's authentic it's not it's it's not an actor i don't i don't put anything on that is not me because that's not who i am right but when i meet a designer they don't want to sell me 
nobody wants to sell me because they don't want their good <laughs> they don't want their goods online they right. don't want it discounted they don't mind selling they don't mind if we sell things at regular price but shh, hey right heads up we don't right <laughs> right no i mean i i was I was scouring your website, and I couldn't believe the 87% off, I think, was the highest number I saw discounted. And I thought, how, how can he do that? How can he get – how can he do that? And obviously, it's, you do that with relationships. You do that with – and you have to have – and it's not 87% off on stuff that people do not want. It's 87% on stuff. It doesn't matter if they don't want it. They obviously want it or it wouldn't be taking up the real estate of your website and distracting from Joel, the other I am parts. so happy you're not a competitor because you're smart. <laughs> You really understand it. That's what it's about. And it's, a, it's you know, I'm left in this field more or less alone because nobody understands this business. It's fascinating. And I grew up in it. It was my father's business. Right. He taught me the mentality. Right. I absorbed it because he, that's, it was easy. I know you just lost him. I met your dad once or twice and he was a true mensch is the best word I can use for those of you who don't know what a mensch is. Look it up. It's, yeah, look it up. <laughs> look it up. It's hard to describe. But it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a. Uh, the, a man's man in the best sense of the word. And um, he must have been so proud of you. He, and he, he, he was 96 when he passed and he was born in Poland and his father had a general store in the, in the village, the shtetl where he grew up. And then my father made a success out of his life and he taught me how to make a success right. out of mine. And I think he was very proud of me. He told yeah. me, he could not believe I could make the transition. He saw me make the transition from evening wear to the internet, and he said, "I would have been at." He repeatedly told me the same thing. I would have been out of business. This is why I'm doing this podcast because I think that you have to have a certain drive and tenacity to be able to just dive into what you don't know and figure out what you need to do, see a problem, solve a problem. And I think there's lots of business people like you and like me who have been through transitions like this that are facing transitions and don't know if they can survive it. And I'm guessing at some point you didn't know whether you could survive it. I think it, it's still kind of, I still carry that peckle over my shoulder. I still carry that little doubt over my shoulder, but I think I, I can do almost anything now. Wow. I, I've, I've, I've faced think a lot. Think about that. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and I've faced a lot of rejection. I've fallen on my face a lot. I've made a lot of terrible buys. I don't want anybody listening to this <laughs> podcast to think that I've got some kind of magic touch. Right. I've, I've lost a lot of money-making mistakes. But boy, do you learn a lesson when you lose money. Right. Right? I mean, we've bad decision. But I'm not fearful anymore, and I'm more cautious now. Mm -hmm. And I see a bright future. Do you test market your products? I do. I try not to. That's why I only have two designers. When I, right. I've tested other designers, but I... I I want a designer that people, women, dream about, that they want. I don't want to have to advertise my way into business. I want the demand to be there. Right. That's sort of another little secret that I've, I've, I'm very cautious about how I move forward. And I pay my bills on time. <laughs> Those two things are... No, it makes that's a huge rude. difference. You get, people, huge... you get people's attention when you pay your it bills on time. Because not, believe it or not, think about it. That was something we grew up with. We were taught that as kids, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. As young business people, sure. there was never an issue as to whether it, when you were going to pay it, maybe how early you were going to pay right. it. But to pay it late, and unless something really extraordinary happened, that's not that's not what's out there. There's a lot of struggling businesses that don't pay their bills, not only just within 30 days, they don't pay them within 90 days. Listen, I remember early days of my, you know, I started my business very undercapitalized, and there were times that we had to decide what we're going to pay, what we're not going to pay. And I remember having to call people up and saying, "I'm so sorry, I can't send you money like I promised," and it was. 
one of the, some of the most humiliating moments of my career was calling people and making that admission that I couldn't pay on time. But you can't ignore people. That's exactly – I was just going to say that. That the most important thing in my mind would be that you called, that you faced it, that you – that that that, that where, where's that attitude in our in our society now? It's people would – they run the other way. I think some people do, but I think other people have good common sense and realize that if they were on the other side – you know, stuff happens. Emergencies happen. Golden rule. Just you treat know. the other person the right. way you want to be treated. I think it's the most important part of business. Amen. I do. Amen. And what about your kids? Are they going to be? Uh, they going to no. have your path? You say they're not yeah. going to. They're going to be. They're 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 going to be fourth generation merchants. Where they're going to. I would have thought so, but no way. There's no way, and not because of me. I well, I'm not sure I would want them in in the business that I have. I would like them to. I think part of what's made me so passionate about what I do is that it's mine. Right. That I created it. My oldest is a boy, and he is in his late 20s, and he's in commercial real estate in Los Angeles. Our middle one is a pro-Israel advocate. She's in her mid-20s, and she works for Hillel, and she's unbelievable. Just I don't know where she's going to wind up, but she's so passionate about Israel. So proud of her. And our youngest is graduating from Chapman and is probably going off to medical school. So they've, wow. all, they've all got very unique, wow. different paths. Right. And I bet they're the best dressed people in their in their sphere of influence. They're, they're, yeah, it's, I, I don't think that's <laughs> they're wearing the samples that didn't yeah. oh, remember yeah. the mistakes that you made. Well, I my told, kids are wearing. Yeah, them. I, t- I told my wife. I said, just empty everything out of the closet. Just come come in every couple of months and get something new. It's all yours. And she's my wife's an optometrist, and she's she's pretty thrifty. So she right. she doesn't. You're uh, going to give her a discount, right? Whatever she wants. <laughs> Depends what's for dinner. <laughs> so where do you see your business five years from now? That I try not to focus too much too far out, but I I see it growing. I see it growing. I actually could see joining forces with somebody else, and depending on what direction I go in. Uh, but I think I'm trying to build the structure. I look at it like this, Joel. When I drive by um, – a construction area and I see a new skyscraper like in downtown being built the first thing that goes on is there's you know these bulldozers and all sorts of earth moving equipment that goes in and then all of a sudden they're grading and then they're digging and they're pouring concrete and rebar and beams and that's the stage I'm at that's really interesting so do you th- so you're in the stage where you can build upon what you're what you've created I want to continue I want to continue with that analogy I'm building the structure of a building, a build, I'm building the structure of an internet site. Right. And I want it perfect. Right. And when I feel like it's all the bugs are worked out, and we've been working on this now for a couple of years, our own site after retail. And when I feel the bugs are all really, really worked out, smooth, you know, no hiccups, because there's lots of hiccups when you do these things from scratch, then I'll look for, I'll, I'll be more aggressive about adding designers. In like clads, when you clad a building, you know how you add the, I, then we'll build we'll build something bigger when it's strong. So after retail is kind of doesn't say that it's clothing. I'm assuming that's 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 deliberate. It is dressed up. We knew it was clothes, right? But after retail could be many many things. So that was deliberate. So you could add different product lines along the way. You are bright. So it does answer my earlier question that you're in internet marketing. I think if I, I – I don't know why I'm reluctant to cop to that. I feel like I'm not – I'm being sincere with you, but I don't feel like it's exactly where I'm at right now. Right. I mean, might you take on designer accessories? I might. Instance? Oh, yeah. 
So, so something that's a natural profit center. But the name the name that we gave it was for a reason. It's not retail. It is after retail, but not after the retail the way TJ Maxx or maybe Nordstrom Rack does after retail because that's not what I'm after. I'm after handpicking merchandise. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that what we get and we put up is good, that it will sell. And and that's that's all part of this process. But I do see something in the future and the name I think you you really got onto it with with noticing our name is not so uniquely clothing. Right. Or female. Oh, good point. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. What about um, social media? Do you interact social media with your web marketing? Gosh, I wish I was 30 years younger. Um, wait, it, wait, wait, wait. Me too. <laughs> it, none of it comes to me naturally, and I know it's all important. Uh, we do a pretty good job on Pinterest. We, do, we have a, a private group on Facebook called After Retail VIP, which we do a fun job with. And we're going to expand that by doing some Facebook Live events. So what does that mean, a private group? We don't open it up to anybody. They have to ask to get in. But we pretty much we let everybody in. And that's for the purpose of launching new products? Or? Well, a little bit of everything about, about keeping the community. It's a throwback to who I am. Right. I, I try to – people know me very well in that group. So if you're, a, if you're in the – is it called after, after retail VIP? VIPs, yeah. And so they might get – a better discount or a first shot at something new or That's exactly part right, of a, like a virtual grand opening or virtual launch. Absolutely. That's correct. brilliant. Yeah. Well, Who, it, whose idea was that? It was mine. There's about 700 women in there mm-hmm. or maybe there's some, there could be some men in there too. And the idea is just to give them a little something extra for being connected right. to me for so long. Do you do plus sizes? We do some plus sizes. Is that a whole separate? It is. Thing. We don't, we can't get access to enough. So it's always, we're always struggling to do that, to find good size. Because of the designers you have don't produce it? They do, but they, they don't produce much of it. Right. And we're, and it usually sells out at regular price and I can't pay them regular price. So when I don't step up to the line to buy it at that price, somebody else does. Gotcha. But the, the key to success to me is being with these two designers that have such built in, built in demand. Right. I didn't have to go and tell them, uh, my customers, you know, I'll, I'll experiment, but for the most part, the demand, the work is done for me. I really don't need to advertise that much. I do in terms of, you know, eventually we'll do Facebook ads or we'll do Instagram, but those are coming. And again, that's about building the structure. That's not, people have this illusion. People have this illusion that if you just put something up online, you'll do business. Nothing. If you build it, will come. does it, not work. No, it's so different than, you know, you can't just, even advertising doesn't bring business. What you have to do is every day get up and figure out how you can deliver real value to Mm -hmm. a a group of customers that want to hear from you. So, so let me just say, there's two parts to it. One is the, the, the article of clothing, the, the, the item that you want to sell, the demand has to be there. And then you have to tell people about it. Two different exercises. That's so which, a, which comes first? Because if you don't have the clients, you can't buy the product. And if you can't buy the product, you can't. Yeah, it's, it's a delicate, it's a dance and you have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it's not without cost. You know, personal, uh, there's capital that you have to put out, whether sure. it's personal capital or, you know, your, your staffing or actual money out of your pocket to do these so, ads. Are you a gambler naturally? No. So this is where you, but this, this is a bit of a gamble that you I think it is, but right. I, I, I have I have good skills and I have a good yeah. business sense, and I've I feel like I know where I'm going more or less, right. not completely, but it's. Are there any business problems that you're facing now that you're curious about that you would love a solution for? Just curious. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a more than one, but a lot of them are marketing related, mm-hmm. and it's 
it, it's not anything that comes naturally to me. You would think with all the advertising and all the print advertising and the radio advertising from Dressed Up that I would have some sense of, well, this is what we have to do. Well, it's all changed. It has all changed. It's all changed. You're Nobody's exactly. watching TV anymore in real time. and nobody. So, so TV ads don't work. And nobody's reading newspapers on paper. So those don't work. And So the question so on – how the, do you – right. what medium do you use to advertise to get people out there? Right. It's got to be social media. I would yeah, it is. It's, uh, You're still buying eyes, right? Correct. But a lot of it is talking to the people that have grown up with us right. over the last night. So it's email. It's texting. Uh, it's the Facebook group. Uh, it will be, it's a little bit of Pinterest and it will be Instagram eventually, but putting those pieces together and doing them correctly and not rushing. Right. Ever try to do uh, YouTube videos and hope they have a viral reaction? Or? I hope to, but I'm not sure what I, what my content would be because I don't want to offend my, my designers. And when they hang out there, that's a problem. They have standards. Yeah. And they don't want to see their things discounted. It's, I live in this murky world of do it, but we don't want to know about it. Interesting. See, I'm not big enough. I'm not. See, if I were TJ Maxx and I came in and I bought 10,000 units from one of these designers, they know what's going to happen. Right. But I'm not buying 10,000 units. I'm buying 500 units or 1,000 units. And they don't need. And these are pieces that you wouldn't probably find most places at a discount. So they're always, I'm always oh, ducking and shuckling and you know, trying to figure out how, to, how what, what can I do that's not too high profile. So isn't that a risk of your business having just two designers that yeah. one might say, you know what? It was nice, but we don't need you anymore. We're doing enough at regular price to not need this, and we don't want to. Do that is the diminish. risk. So how so how do you manage that risk? I buy more. You become more valuable to them. Exactly right. And you pay your bills on time. And I pay my bills. So on time. your your cash flow for them is I very th- important. I think so, I, and I think integrity. I mean, they know. Uh, both designers know if they ask me a point blank question that they'll get an honest answer. Right. I don't go around offering up, uh, you know, I'm not foolish. Right. On the other hand, I have standards and I have integrity. And if you ask me a question, I'm like, I lead my life. Do they ask you what you think you'll be able to sell? No, they, they don't really want to know too much. Right. They're just happy if I am who I am mm-hmm. and I pay my bills and I don't do anything uh, flagrantly offensive. Right. You know? Right. Does that does that sound like I stay within the boundaries, the bumpers that they've set up? Right. And are these things we discuss, or are they mm-hmm. kind of you know the not the mutual mystification that I think this is what he wants and he thinks this is what it's you not, understand? Joel, and, you're so you're such a businessman. You understand the dynamic here. It's not talked about until it's a problem. Right. Then you have the conversation. Right. right? So if a if a customer has a problem with the quality of a product. Oh, do I? What do you do? Oh, they, I get, you oh, refer it to them or do no you? No way. Give it back to me. I give it to charity. Give their money yeah, back. Oh, right, no way. Right, I would right. never, ever return it. <laughs> you don't want to bother them Why would that? I? I give it to charity. Right. We give a lot to charity. That's fine. That's, that's part of the cost of business. see a lot of homeless people wearing really <laughs> oh, nice yeah, stuff. Yeah. Anywhere near Tarzana, you know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a good man. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Joe. If someone were just starting out in business today, doing similar work, what would you advise them to do? Stay the hell away from me. No, I'm sorry. That's that's incredibly rude. Um, you know, you hear a lot of advice, business advice from people, um, fatherly advice, it sounds like. Follow your passion. I hear right. that a lot. I don't know what that means really, except if you can make a living, you should follow your passion. Or how much are you willing to put up with before you won't follow your passion? Mm-hmm. There's some combination of effort, focus, passion, forward momentum. Right. If I, I – for instance – when we were up against the wall at Dressed Up and I knew I was losing that business, I told my wife, I said, Ruthie, I, I don't know if I can hold on. She says, do your best and we'll do something else. Right. 
Good attitude. Right. So attitude's so important. And I and I would have I, honestly, I have no humility. I would have worked anywhere if, right. if I couldn't make the mortgage payment. I wouldn't care what I would do. Right. It didn't matter to me. Right. Right. But you found a way to do it. And I think that's the entrepreneur in you. That's the three generations of yeah. DNA. Yeah. You yeah. find a way to survive. I was just scared to because I had to say it out loud. I think even saying it out loud got me in the right mindset to think right. that. But but my advice to somebody just getting into it is find something that re- you want to get up and do, mm-hmm. and you want to do it better than anybody else. Right. And and it means something to you. Not just not just the money part of it because I think at this stage of my life, you probably would agree with this. Money flows. When you do what you need to do and you do it well and you do it almost better than anybody else, if not the best, money flows. You- it's tough though. There's so much challenge. So many. There's so much upward pressure, downward pressure. You know, in the world in the world I spend most of my time in, which is in technology, there's you know, it's a race to zero oftentimes in terms of profit margins and and but and is the that market. is that more of a niche issue? I mean, if you could niche out something with a downward trend, but you could do it differently from anybody else doing it or if you could bring some kind of distinction to what you're doing as opposed to what he's doing right adding value is very very critical you have to find ways to add value especially in a world where things are often viewed as a commodity you have to find ways to add to add value um i also think stability is very huge you have to you know try not to make too many changes and start over again people I, i know there's a lot of people that give up too early they don't give a chance for their business to succeed however we live in the real world where that rent has to be paid and your kid needs cheese and so you gotta find a way to buy it and it means you have to shift gears so it's very very challenging small business is not for the faint of heart i would say small that's for sure and i think specialty retail whatever it is is even more it, 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 i almost think it's becoming extinct i just i don't want to be too dramatic it doesn't doesn't i don't i don't want to leave anybody with a down note but i think it's dangerous out there and you have to be cautious how you proceed so papyrus just shut down they just announced that they're shutting down all their retail locations how is that possible it's a specialty retailer i assume there's huge margins in what they do just given the nature of what they do there's huge margins and yet now we're going to have how many locations do they have? 500 locations in the country that are all going to be vacant stores that investors who own this real estate are going to be going, where's my next tenant coming from? And it's, is it going to be sold on Amazon? Is that what's going to happen? Or is that is that it? Well, you think about the real estate, and I think that you said something earlier, but I want to correct you. I think real estate is the most expensive part of any business equation. It, even Even undesirable real estate is expensive in relative terms. So... Papyrus went out because their balance sheet, their P&L statement, wasn't sustainable. Right. And most likely it was staffing and rent. Maybe something else, but most likely staffing and rent. That's something that small business people, and especially, like you say, what, what advice would I give to somebody starting out? Watch your expenses. Right. Do not, do not overload yourself with expenses because that will force you out. Give yourself time live at home, you know, right. take the secondary location, see if you can sublease a space. Start small. Mm-hmm. Be, be creative. Take space that doesn't have uh, daytime use. And I, I see that with restaurants doing primarily out, you know, delivery business. And they're, they're basically renting commissary space from existing restaurants and just setting up a virtual restaurant for delivery. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, that's thinking. That's, think- that's the kind of thinking that I, I'm not so sure that I – I'm equipped to think like that. Right. I think you've seen a lot of businesses, so you have bigger and, and more diverse ideas than I do. I sort of know my world. My best ideas are plagiarized. I should. <laughs> there are other people's ideas, and I went, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, but you put your spin on it. So I think, yeah. you know, you're a thinker. 
You are. I know as you. Are, as are you, sir. Well, but, but I, we, we, we've both have collectively and individually, we've got lots of business experience right. dealing with accounts, dealing with vendors, dealing with this, dealing with you know all the various expenses that we face. It's daunting. Mm-hmm. It's daunting. Any of those expenses, when they get out of whack, could, could knock you off. Right. Just benefits themselves. And now, did you know that it's the law that you're going to have to give uh, 401ks to your employees? And, I mean, that may be great. It's I want my employees to be well taken care of, but the market has the, – the product has to – that we're selling, the profits have to support that. They have to come from someplace. That's, there's a simple answer to that, which is that the legislators that pass these bills, whether it's state or federal – have very very often have no business experience. They have no idea what it means to make a payroll. No question. How, how much have you perspired making payroll oh, or, or or your rent? It would be T minus on the day after payroll was done. It would be I've got ten more business days to make enough money for payroll. I know it exactly. Right? I know it exactly. I'm always conscious of the calendar. Always know how many days till payroll. Always knew how many days till taxes. You, you were, it, always are very conscious of that. Those numbers. I would days. say if you took ten small business people just like us and you lined us up against the wall and you sliced off the top of our heads, <laughs> they would all be the same. Yeah, they would all calendar driven. Right. Cash flow paranoid. Right. Right. Yeah. Small and, business is fun. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. I wouldn't do anything else. But yet, but yet it's not I a nine to five job. It isn't. And I live with it. And the first thing I do in the morning are check balances. And, and we have three checking accounts. I check them all at, you know, at, you know, for, right. And, and, and where, where am I juggling? What am I going to do? And yet I love it. Yeah. I love it. Right. And I feel like I'm building for the first time, even not during my years at Dressed Up, I feel like I'm building value, mm-hmm. real value. So okay. you're on to something now. I just feel it. I don't right. know. I, I didn't feel it before. I felt like I was helping right. women look beautiful. Right. Now I feel – maybe I'm getting back to this this ultimate question of yours. Am I a technology company or a clothing company? Right. I really feel like I'm building value. For my customer, I'm building right. value. I can talk to more. I'm giving better values. Even. Right. And for me, I'm building value. I'm, so I'm what's the website? Afterretail.com. Literally, afterretail.com. Gotcha. Gotcha. And are there any, anything you want to add? I feel blessed. I'm appreciative for everything that I have. I've That uh, comes across, by the way. And I think that's a secret to a happy life. So you seem like a happy man. I am. So that I'm, absolutely I'm, comes across in you. I could never have imagined that I could have achieved what I wanted. I, I, I guess coming from the clutches of, I don't want to be too dramatic, from mm-hmm. bankruptcy, would too dramatic, but from, from potentially losing the store, from losing dressed up to right. where I'm at now, it it's a miracle. You should be very proud of yourself. It's a miracle, and I'm and I've had the support of my family, my lovely wife, and and the kids. You know, they're proud of. It. I, I, it's just a good place yeah. to be, and I hope I, I hope I can take it to the next level, whatever that level is. Right. I don't know what it'll look like, but one thing I do know is I wake up every day and I'm I, I like to go to work. That's great. That's awesome. I feel real good. Uh, that's then you're a rich man. Feels like it. Right. Thank you. I have nothing else unless you want to add some. No, we I'm, can edit in, anything yeah, you want. Yeah. And so on. Uh, do I have anything else to say? I I'm grateful for the opportunity to share my story. Yeah. I really, to be honest with you, I haven't. You know, I'm it might not appear, but I'm relatively modest about my life. No, I don't, you're very modest. I, I don't like to. Um, I guess I just don't like to put too much out there. I, I mean, do you ever reflect on? I mean, it sounds like you just did reflected on the accomplishment that you've you've made but it, it's not small it may be small in terms of relative to gigantic retailers or mm. big employers whatever but you've you've got seven employees you said 
seven families are being fed and taken care of because of what you created, that's got to be, plus your own, that's got to be an amazing feat that you must feel. I know that I feel it. I feel it at times. And I feel it's a huge responsibility with employees because you want to make sure that they're in the position to grow as well and to have better lives as well. Um, by by the by the fruits of your labor and your dreams and your aspirations and, and so, I want and, and yes I guess I don't I occasionally reflect on it mm-hmm. what would what feels very good to me is that if we build this they'll be a part of it and I hope they can benefit right. long long term do you empower them pretty much I mean they they all know more than I do honestly right and they know how to make good decisions they'll ask me we'll talk about it we've you know when we have problems with the internet and our, the our, the structure of our our website we we struggle with it together but it's usually not i don't usually solve it it's right. usually one of the other women and there's mostly women there's only one other man that works is there laughter yeah a lot a lot of laughter yeah yeah we like to see each other we're right. we're we're a good team mm-hmm. and i really hope they stay with me for right I mean, I, I hope maybe one day we'll sell this thing and they'll all be part owners of it. Right. I, I have no idea. But they give me what I need. Right. They give me the I, – I, I want to come and see them. Right. I want to be there with them. Right. And that's a great feeling. Right, right, right. You don't wake up dreading the moment that you're going to see them. Not at all. That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Afterretail.com. Thank you, Joel. No, It's my pleasure. I want to tell you – and we're going to hopefully edit this in somehow. Yeah. That part of this podcast is to workshop problems. Yeah. And so what I'm really hoping is that people take advantage of emailing me. Sure. Hey, I've got this issue. What do you think? And I probably will not have the answer, but I am trying to build a panel of experts who have been there and done that, that then I can call up and say, hey, Michael, this guy's got this problem. And what do you think? And get your opinion Mm -hmm. on it and try to build that up. So I'm hoping I can call upon you from that from time to time. I would like to be known as the director of Schmata. So if you need a director of Schmata, I would like to be the guy that you come to. (laughs) Can you be the director of Yiddish? (laughs) I want to just say, I want to make sure that I get this across. I want to make sure that that people who listen to this understand where you're coming from. It's so important to know Joel, that you're coming from a place of wanting to help others. Oh, thank you. I think sometimes people, when they hear podcasts or they watch or read other people, you don't know the agenda. You don't know if ultimately they're trying to sell you something. And usually, usually, usually there's something underneath. And, right. and I don't, I don't, listen, that's, that's business. Right. I don't begrudge anybody trying to, sure. especially somebody giving value. But the value you're giving is a little bit more um, authentic in my mind because of the way you're coming at this. Oh, thank you. You're sharing stories. You're trying to give advice. And I don't believe there's any six-part course that you're trying to sell. No, 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 no. Listen, having sold my business a year ago, a year and a half ago, I feel like I've been through a lot. I think I have something to offer. I would love to have some consulting assignments, but they would be – I was talking to my wife about it the other day. I have no idea what I would even charge for it. I have no idea what my value would be. I would probably do – I'd love to do – project-based consulting. So we want to do this plan. How do I implement it and still run my business and kind of help people implement a plan and help kind of facilitate progress in that respect. But I don't, I don't have that yet. 
I'm just, it's just really a germ in my brain. Yeah, how do I, yeah. how do I turn this? So eventually if, if the podcast leads to some business for me, then I'm happy about that. But look how it would go. It would be a path that would be organic. Yes. Right. You're not doing it the other way around where you have the course already, you know, videoed and packaged and you're, <laughs> right. oh, by the way. And there's nothing wrong with that either, by the no, way. No, there but isn't. It's, it's not what I'm doing. You're right. correct. Yeah. And so if it comes through like that and, and the ability to help somebody. Yeah. That's so powerful. That's that's you were talking about your father. That's my mother. My yeah. mother was uh, someone who didn't. She was very simple. I think if she would have grown up at a different time, she would have been a huge success. But she grew up in a time where women didn't aspire. They didn't. If they did aspire, they 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 you know kept that to themselves. And um, and she had some uh, birth defects, which kept her from feeling confident. And so she had a she had a tougher than than normal life. But the, the, she always was helping people. That was her. I learned from that. I learned that the best way to heal is to help other people. So uh, she would, when she when she couldn't walk from here to there without holding on to something, she would get up every day and go downstairs to the lobby of her apartment building and pick up all the newspapers and deliver them to the old people in her building. And uh, and there were times that she stayed spent at my house on the weekend, and I, she'd get a call on her cell phone, Lucy, are you okay? I didn't get my paper today. So oh she built a. That was her ability to create a little community with a tiny little bit of help, and it was uh, it was good. So I thank my mom for that. Thank you for saying that. I don't know that it's conscious or not, but I can tell you that as you're saying it, I'm thinking of my mother. It is conscious. You just so, demonstrated that it was conscious. So. I'll tell you. I think you can divide up people in the world, and mm-hmm. I don't mean the business world. I mean just the world of everybody. Mm-hmm. There's people that want to help, and there's people that don't. And Interesting. It, and you can see it every day. Yeah. You know, the people that let you go ahead of you in line at the grocery store, the people right. that offer to help, you know, when you, you see somebody in the parking lot struggling with something, there's there's beautiful people out there. But often often we get locked into what's best for us and we think about only ourselves. It's it's the rare person that is outwardly bound, outwardly thinking, outwardly focused all the time. But even a little bit of time is enough. Right. It doesn't have to be all the time. It's not that daunting. And the other thing that I, I, I practice is this concept of instant yes. Go on. There are so many times when it's not convenient for me to do something, mm-hmm. but it's just not convenient. That's all it is. It's just not convenient. Right. So instead of saying, I'll think about it, I try more and more to say yes. I call it my instant yes. I like that. I might and, steal that. But and, remember I said all my good ideas are plagiarized? <laughs> this is a good one to steal. <laughs> yeah. In instant yes, sometimes I'll say instant yes, and I've seen people just guffaw like they're jaw drops right what and i said yes you want to think about it no my answer is yes what can i do yeah i love it and it it's powerful and it, it's the power of connecting mm-hmm. and and i think that's ultimately well, that's what, that's your gift well i think that's that's who i am thank you it's a gift i think it's a gift in most cases my wife might argue with you it should be limited a little bit more but that's I, th- I do think that's my essence, and I, I happen to make a living using that gift. Right. Um, and, and I think the world, in my way of thinking, the world's a little better when more people are like that. That's just how I look at life. I remember there, there used to be somebody on the radio named David Viscott. Do you remember David sure. Viscott? And he said, used to say something that has, was the epiphany of my life. Okay. And it was, the secret of life is to find your gift and then give it back. And that is what I just witnessed before me. That is that you you are keen on what your gift is and you give it back and it's it's really a wonderful thing, and uh, we should say 
that we've known each other kind of passively for a long time, but don't really know each other. It's true. And um, I think that's going to change because, you know, I want you to be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Instant yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Joel. What a pleasure. What a real pleasure. Likewise. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Wow, fun. How much fun. Oh, my God, Joel. That's too much fun. I really want to thank Michael for sharing his story with us today. Please go to www.afterretail.com to see Michael's amazing website. Michael Weintraub, thank you very much. You're the best. If you're running a business, you need technology partners that help your company run fluidly without interruption. Our sponsor, Mercury Document Imaging, has been doing just that since 1982. Featuring Xerox products using application software, document management software, and of course printers, copiers, and multifunction devices to keep your company running smoothly year-round. They can be reached at www.mercurydoc.com or by phone, 818-782-1221. Next on Small BizCast, Renee Noy of WorkWise. She clarifies the confusion over the new employment laws for independent contractors. Here's a sneak peek of what she has to say. You know what I find is that in California, we have at-will employment, which means you can hire and fire for any reason at any time, right? That sounds so empowering and so wonderful, but it's really not true (laughs) because, but but to a certain extent, it can be true. Um, I always try to empower the employers because they are terrified to get rid of people. And I've heard crazy stories of, you know, these toxic, horrible employees are basically running the business right. and the employers are home, you know, in bed in fear right. of coming to work. Paralyzed. They, they, yeah, they're paralyzed. They hate right. their jobs because these employees have taken over. Right. They have no control over their business. And I'm here to bring that back. And finally, cannot put a podcast like this together without a great production team. Mr. Thrive Media, thank you. Happens to be run by someone I'm close with, my son. So it makes me extra proud to spend this time working together to produce a product like this. But your professionalism, your organization, your attention to detail, and your knowledge makes me a very proud father and a very good customer. MrThriveMedia.com. Ask for Charlie and tell him Joel sent you.